I'm Taylor, and this is the Hopeless Sportsmantic Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome into today's episode of the Hopeless Sportsmantic Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor, and today's episode is going to be some coverage over Georgia's Week 3 matchup against the Tennessee Volunteers. Georgia comes in back in the number three spot in the AP poll. Still got to bring it up, even though I think it's a bit ridiculous to even have polls at this point in the season, especially given the COVID factor. And Tennessee comes in, moving up from the 21st spot in the AP poll to the 14th spot after last week's win against the Missouri Tigers at home. Biggest thing to look out for against Tennessee is Henry To'o the linebacker out of Concord, California. He actually was a former Alabama commit, and then Jeremy Pruitt was able to flip him right before signing day to come to Tennessee. Very similar to Deion Jones with the Falcons. He's a speedy guy, really flies over all over the field, has gotten even faster coming into this season since he lost about 15 pounds prior to the season to help gain some speed, get lighter, get faster. He's only a sophomore as well. Got a lot of playing time last year as a freshman with him coming in as a very hyped-up recruiting class for Jeremy Pruitt. He has a really great nose for the ball, really runs sideline to sideline really well, is instinctual, and blitzes very well. Granted, some of that is um, a problem with Tennessee that I'll get into later in the show, but is a great blitzer, really finds the gaps in the blocking scheme and is able to exploit them to get to the quarterback as efficiently as possible. Tennessee, like Georgia, is a run-first team as well. They have run the ball 84 times this year and thrown it for 55 times. When Jared Garantano is your quarterback, I don't blame you. In my mind, he's basically the Jameis Winston of the SEC. We haven't really seen much progression throughout his college career still tends to hold on to the ball too long and then just just flat out misses throws against South Carolina and against Missouri there were multiple plays where he had a clean pocket to throw and he would just miss a guy especially when it was something that was down the field the few passes he has completed down the field have been some pretty miraculous catches by his receivers to kind of bail him out in certain situations. Uh, do want to talk about toes, uh, toes highlight play so far was he did have a pick six in week one against South Carolina off a of deflection caught it in the middle of the field and showed some almost running back speed down the sideline and then uh, was able to find the end zone. So I guess he has a nose for the end zone and a nose for the ball at the same time. The other thing to look for on the offensive side of the ball for Tennessee is their offensive line, um, which got even stronger with the clearing eligibility of former Georgia lineman Cade Mays. They also have Trey Smith and then a couple other five stars on their offensive line. So on paper, at least, this looks like a team that can really control the line of scrimmage, although I'll take Georgia's 
depth with Jordan Davis and Adam Anderson and just so many other guys. Nicobe, there's just so much depth on this Georgia defense that I will take them against any offensive line in the country at this point until proven otherwise, which even last year there was really nothing to show against anybody except LSU, who was probably an all-time great team, in my opinion, last year. They show really great um, just pure football instincts, really fire off the ball well or physical at the point of attack. But they do have sometimes blown blocking assignments at times. Multiple times against Missouri, they had guys that came off the and just came off the line clean and had a free shot at Tano in the backfield. So I think some of it is lack of practices, especially with some of the COVID cases and COVID scares that Tennessee had prior to the season. And some of it is, yes, these kids are five stars, but they're also young guys at the same time. So it's, they're still in some of the growing pain phase of college development. And at the same time, because of, how dependent this team is on that offensive line. And I think the lackluster play we've seen from Jared Garantano pretty consistently. This team also has kind of a weakness at the receiver position. Juwan Jennings was their key receiver last year and he graduated, moved on to other things. I don't know if he's at the NFL level, but there really is no one key receiver for Tennessee. There's not really one guy that you see on film or on paper that jumps out at you as somebody that can make a big play, especially against the secondary that Georgia has. I mean, Seth Williams is miles above any receiver that Tennessee is going to throw at them. And he was pretty much shut down by Tyson Campbell alone last week, which was a great sight to see for Georgia fans. And this Tennessee offense also has a weakness on third down. They're only 7 of 25 on the season, which is something that is really great to look for. They seemed pretty vulnerable against those third and long blitzes that you'll see. And then, of course, Dan Lanning is always willing to be a bit unorthodox with his blitzes and using those overloads, using stunts, anything to confuse offensive linemen and get almost instantaneous pressure on quarterbacks. So that'll be really good to see the uh, defensive weakness that I alluded to earlier that Tennessee has is that they don't really get a lot of pressure with four man rushes. They will have, there were many plays, especially in South Carolina where Colin Hill had time and time and time to just sit in the pocket and make a throw because of the fact that Tennessee was willing to drop seven and only rush four. So that inability to consistently get pressure with a four man rush forces them to use guys like Henry Toto and um, a couple other guys um, to even get consistent pressure on the quarterback, which when you have to bring that many guys, just the math and the amount of field that you have to cover sideline to sideline, there's going to be weak points in that defense. And 
Stetson Bennett has shown a pretty good ability to get the ball out quickly. I still think we're going to see Stetson start this week. I wouldn't be um, super surprised if JT Daniels gets a start with having another week to recover, but I think with how sharp he was against Auburn, this quarterback job is Stetson Bennett's job to lose at this point, and they're probably going to keep him in until he shows them something that that Kirby sees as something to pull him out of the lineup because of that lack of pressure as well that Tennessee is able to create. I also interpret that as an inability to kind of shut down the running game. Kevin Harris for South Carolina had a pretty solid game with multiple bigger runs against them he is a very explosive back i'll give some of that to discredit on his part and his running ability but i think georgia is going to be able to run the ball effectively on this defense especially with how they ran the ball last week against auburn that was just that was just a beautiful sight for my eyes to see georgia go back to what we saw during that 2017 season with the power running game with we're going to get six or seven yards of carry and we're going to run the ball every play and you know what's coming and you still can't stop it because we're just going to dominate you at the line of scrimmage that much. If Georgia can continue that into this game, then it's going to be a long day for that Tennessee defense and a nice sweet day for the running backs and the offensive line for Georgia. I think what we're going to see a lot of from Georgia is a lot of underneath routes because I anticipate we're I anticipate pressure coming a lot from Jeremy Pruitt to help get consistent pressure on Stetson Bennett and control the running game at the same time. So I think, excuse me, that what we're going to see from Georgia is a lot of underneath routes, a lot of maybe even clear outs. So guys like Kyrus Jackson, guys like Demetrius Robertson, it's going to be about getting them the ball in space with a lot of green in front of them so they can use their athletic ability to make plays in the open field and give Georgia a very solid chance to win this game. I think more so than what we saw against Auburn where it was a very methodical game, I think they're going to use that running game to also set up the passing game so i think we're gonna see more big plays in this game especially with how young tennessee's defense is at the same time so if we can see some big plays out of multiple guys in this game then that'll i think give georgia even even more confidence offensively so that'll be really interesting to look for georgia tennessee does have a a couple good running backs in Ty Chandler and Eric Gray. They both have a very similar makeup, very explosive, very one cut kind of put your foot in the ground and get up field. Kind of like Raheem Mostert, who is unfortunately had an uh, injury this season, but they are able to kind of take advantage of the holes that they're given. But in these first couple of games, granted, it is, a, it is a small sample size. I'll concede that. But we're not really seeing a lot of making something out of nothing like what you're going to see from a running back like Zamir White. So 
if Georgia is able to control the line of scrimmage with the running game, then you're probably going to consistently see guys being tackled in the backfield and short gains involved. You're not going to see any of those, many of those at least um, manageable three to four yard runs to get you out of third and long, get you out of second and long. So that's what you want to see if you're Georgia. You want to make sure that you shut down the running game because something's going to give when you have the secondary and just the all-around defense that Georgia has and you have the inconsistency from Jared Garantano at quarterback. So if I'm Georgia, I'm going to focus on shutting down the run, obviously. Maybe come in with a lot of under fronts, something like that. Maybe force the ball to the weak side as well. Find the the one the weak points in the offensive line that Tennessee has and be able to exploit them and let guys have a chance to let the linebackers that Georgia has like Nicobe Dean and Adam Anderson be able to make those plays in open space. The matchup that I really look at is probably Jordan Davis versus Trey Smith on the interior of the offensive and defensive line. That's going to be something that is really going to be a barometer for the outcome in this game. If Jordan Davis is consistently going to beat him one-on-one, then Georgia is going to be able to stop the running game. And if Trey Smith is winning those one-on-one battles, then we're going to see a lot of solid runs for Tennessee on their side of the ball. So I expect Jordan. It's obviously being a Georgia fan. I'm going to want Jordan Davis to win those battles and believe that that's what's going to happen, but it will be interesting to see. Maybe they bring pressure from the other side of the offensive line to encourage to bring the pressure to the other side of the offensive line to really be able to avoid dealing with one of the top offensive linemen in the country and top draft prospects. He's not quite up there with Sewell from Oregon, but he is high on a lot of NFL draft boards. So I think what we're going to see is small short passes for Georgia turned into big gains and then a lot of bringing pressure on third and long if it gets to that point, which I really want to see that. I, I... I do not I do not trust Jared Garantano to be able to sit back and pick apart this defense. I think you could bring pressure at times, but I think there's even going to be points where, like Jameis Winston, you're going to be able to drop seven or eight guys and he's going to misread the coverage and make a mistake or just flat out miss a throw and you're going to be able to capitalize on that mistake. So it makes it even that much more important that Richard LeCount's targeting penalty, which was complete BS, in my opinion, both both the targeting calls on Auburn safety and on LeCount were just completely BS calls, in my opinion. But with him being able to have that happen in the first half, we're not going to have him missing in the back end of this defense, which is going to be very key in this game. I really want to see a big game out of Tyreek Stevenson, who's been a little quiet. We've seen 
Eric Stokes make some plays for Georgia. And we've seen LeCount make plays, obviously, with him being the preseason All-American that he is. And Tyson Campbell absolutely showed out last week against Seth Williams and Auburn. So I think the guy that we're really going to see break through on the defense in this game is Tyreek Stevenson because to counteract, I think some of the size and physicality that Tennessee has on the offensive line, you're going to see a lot of those nickel and dime blitzes coming in off the edge. And he's shown that's something that Tyreek consistently is able to make plays in and excel at. So I think that he is going to be the guy that shows out and has an just adds to the list of guys that Georgia can rely on to possibly be a major difference maker in a game. So to conclude, I believe the the uh, over under is sitting at 14 points. I think it's two touchdowns might be that was where it was at at least earlier this week. It could have moved, but I don't think it's going to move by much. That sounds about right to me. But my prediction is going to be Georgia 28 and Tennessee 10, maybe even 24-6. I just, it's it's Georgia's, Georgia's defense is going to be able to consistently win them ga- games and it's just a margin of victory matter a lot of the time, depending on how effective the offense for Georgia is. Tennessee is able to, is going to be able to make some plays with the athleticism that they have, especially at the linebacker position across the board. But given their weakness at the wide receiver position and weakness in the secondary, I think guys like Kiaris Jackson, George Pickens, who it's surprising I made it almost to the end of the show before I even brought him up in this equation. But Georgia's receivers are going to be able to consistently win one-on-ones, and that's a big difference between this year and last year. And even then, last year, Georgia's defense made some huge plays, and Georgia won this game in Knoxville pretty handily. So to conclude, Georgia 28, Tennessee 10, and the Dogs move on to 3-0 and on this crazy COVID season. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Hopeless Sports Mantic podcast. Make sure to follow the podcast on Instagram at Hopeless Sports Mantic and on Twitter at Sports Mantic to get show updates and hot takes on the newest Georgia and Atlanta teams news. Also, make sure to follow the podcast on whichever platform you listen to. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you find it. If you follow the show, it helps support the show and help this podcast grow so I can give you guys more of the content that you want to hear. Thanks again for listening, and go dogs.